0: Tanse Sego Ani Buju, Nin Pam Pampalmeter, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, laws, and governing practices. It's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. Today is our last episode in the Reconciliation Book Club series, which I ran for the summer holidays that was originally aired on my YouTube channel. These are extended reviews of books written by Native authors and allies about important issues facing our nations. Links to all the books I reviewed for this summer series can be found in both the YouTube and Warrior Life podcast description boxes under each episode. New episodes of our regular Warrior Life podcast start Friday, September 3rd, and we have awesome guests coming up. We might even be able to squeeze in an election theme podcast before the fall season, but we'll see how things shape up over the next week or so. Thank you all for your continued support. As you know, this podcast is 100% listener-supported through Patreon and t-shirt sales, which help me keep my content entirely independent. You can always access my Warrior Life clothing store and my Patreon account through my website, pampometer.com. So today's Reconciliation Book Club review is 500 Years of Indigenous Resistance by Gord Hill and published by PM Press. Not only do I review the book, but we also get to hear directly from the author, Gord Hill. I also got permission from Submedia to share a short clip where you get to see Gord narrating what happened at one of the most aggressive attacks on Indigenous peoples by the Canadian state at Gustafson Lake. So... Let's get right into the review. Thank you all for coming back to my Reconciliation Book Club. Today, we're going to be reviewing a very unique book by author Gord Hill. His book, 500 Years of Indigenous Resistance, is one of those special books that should be read by every single Canadian before they get out of our education system. I'm really excited to be reviewing this book and sharing some background information on the author himself. This book was published in 2009 by PM Press. Now PM Press is located in Oakland, California and it started in 2007. The publishing company describes its mission as one to publish radical works, fiction and nonfiction, both in audio, video and print format. Canadian distributor of the book is Fernwood Publishing who prides itself on publishing critical books for critical thinkers. So it's no wonder that they are the Canadian distributor of this book and a supporter of this book club. This book is available as a paperback directly from Fernwood Publishing Online or other online formats like Amazon, and it ranges in price between $10 and $15. The author is Gord Hill. Now, he's an Indigenous writer, author, and activist from Kwakwakwakw in BC. As an Indigenous artist, you'll notice if you've already read this that it includes some of his own artwork. Gord's artwork and writings have been published in a variety of other formats including Briarpatch Magazine, Canadian Dimension Magazine, and one of my favorites, Red Rising Magazine. Now, in addition to writing this book, 500 Years of Indigenous Resistance, Gord has also published two other comic books. The first one is 500 Years of Resistance the comic book and the second one is the anti-capitalist resistance comic book. The first one published in 2010 and the second one published in 2012. Both of them published by Arsenal Pulp Press. And I actually came across all of Gord's books when I was doing research on Indigenous resistance specifically and social movements involving Indigenous peoples. When I came across Gord's book in my research on Indigenous resistance, I was really struck by the style and the format of the book. Like the first book we reviewed, Whose Land Is It Anyway?, it's a smaller book that focuses on both the history and current context of Indigenous challenges from an Indigenous perspective. The book is only 70 pages long with 16 small chapters, so you know that each chapter is very concise and very focused on its subject matter. The book- essentially a brief overview of colonization and does contain some references for some of the factual information in each of the chapters. And each of the chapters contains photos or some of Gord's own artwork to really emphasize the core messages in each of those chapters. Now the publisher has characterized this book as both a history book and an Indigenous Studies book. Before I move on to my review of the book, I wanted you to have a chance to hear from the author himself. Gord took a few minutes to talk to me about why he wrote the book and what his core messages are for readers. Thank you so much Gord for doing this for our Reconciliation Book Club. We're reviewing your book. It's 500 Years of Indigenous Resistance and I wanted to make sure that everybody who read your book for this book review got an opportunity to hear from you. Why did you write this book?
1: Okay well thanks for uh, having me Pam. Um... Yeah, I originally wrote the book uh, or the text. I started writing the text uh, after 1990, after the Oka crisis, because that's something that really inspired me and motivated me to get involved in Indigenous resistance. And I had questions, um, kind of basic questions like, how did we come to be in the situation that we're in today? What is colonization? What was the history of colonialism? And what was the history of resistance that was a part of all that? So that's why I started researching it. It was mostly for my own knowledge and uh, self-awareness or whatever. And after I had uh, compiled all my notes together, I I kind of had a really long text that that I I self-published in a newspaper. It was called Otoken that I published at the time. And um, a few years later, it was reprinted by Arm the Spirit, which was based in Toronto, actually. And then um, shortly after that, PM Press uh, wanted to reprint it as well. So that was kind of the genesis of the book.
0: Well, that's awesome, because one thing that I noticed about this book, and I'm sure probably that was your intention, is this isn't like all the other history books in Canada that kind of whitewashes everything that happened and make it, you know, settlement sound really, you know, like a positive thing. And I'm wondering, like, I mean, there's so many good messages in this book, but do you have one particular message that you want readers to get out of this?
1: I think mainly that uh, the colonialism, you know, uh, I mean, at the time that I wrote it, it was coming up to the 500-year uh, mark of Columbus's and, uh, uh, you know, arriving in the Caribbean and the invasion of the Americas. And the the general history, like you allude to, is, is uh, you know, it's written by colonialism. Uh, it has the colonial history. And I wanted to counter that with the stories of resistance, and I think that's the most important thing. I wanted people to take away that there was very strong indigenous resistance. We weren't just victims that were, you know, steamrolled by this, you know, colonial machine. That it took hundreds and hundreds of years for European colonial states to actually uh, enter into a lot of the territories and um, impose their rule, and that. It even continues to this day. So we have the modern Indigenous resistance that kind of resurfaced in the the 1960s, 1970s, leading up to the 1990s with Oka and the Zapatista Rebellion. So I think that's the main message I think I would like readers to take away.
0: Well, and one of the things that really... I found really important about this book is that, you know, long before we had a national inquiry into murder to missing indigenous women, you were calling what happened here in the Americas genocide, that this wasn't just a little bit of difficulty. It wasn't benign colonization, but it was in fact genocide. And I'm wondering, you know, when people read this, especially indigenous peoples, um, you know, they're they're going to see themselves reflected in it. And do you have any you know, messages or advice for Indigenous peoples about what we can do to continue to defend our rights in this context?
1: Well, I think the hist- our, our people's history has a lot of examples of, of resistance, of pre- defending territory, maintaining culture and uh, ways of life. And I think that's like one of the most important uh, things about history is that we can learn so much from it. And there's a lot of lessons in there, I mean, Oka is a great example of a community grassroots resistance. They rose up, they defended their territory, and they won. It was a victory. And that's another thing I would want to emphasize is that our history of resistance, there's a lot of victories in it. And that's Mm -hmm. why we're still here today. And that's why we're talking about indigenous resistance because of the sacrifice of our ancestors and, and, and the importance of engaging in resistance, you know, to protect your territory and your way of life.
0: Yeah, exactly, because we have to continue to engage in resistance to keep protecting our territories. And another reason why I wanted to do this book review wasn't just, you know, to inspire indigenous peoples um and and keep up the the resistance, but also to re-educate Canadians because they have also been miseducated. And You know, I wonder if you've given any thought to what can Canadians do to actually, you know, take responsibility for what these states are doing and to um, support Indigenous peoples?
1: Well, I think in terms of Indigenous peoples, I mean, when there's Indigenous social movements arise, uh, you know, settlers, non-Natives can can get involved. They can support those movements uh, financially or with other resources, Mm -hmm. uh, spreading uh, information, counter-information uh distributing books like that and your books as well uh uh just d- generally that type of stuff i mean uh i think right now the the state of the world that we're in i think it's uh it's really necessary for all people to become involved in some kind of social movement that seeks some kind of radical social change because the way the system is going now i mean it's on a course of self destruction and we're like on a on a runaway train we can see what's going to happen and um i think people i mean i think people feel kind of somewhat powerless and there's a lot of apathy but um i mean this is for our survival survival of our planet the survival of of human beings and all all life on earth is at stake so i think that's really the uh the, the things that are uh, you know that's what's on my mind a lot nowadays um it's indigenous peoples have a lot to share and to teach and uh you know, the basis of our struggles defending land and territory, I mean, that's something I think all people should share.
0: I think that's a really powerful message because, in fact, you know, Canadians historically haven't seen our issues as their issues. But if you look at climate change, like what you're talking about, um, it's actually in their interest to stand behind us and support us uh, in a whole bunch of ways because we're the ones out there defending the lands and the waters and the plants and animals. So I really appreciate, um, that you wrote this book because one of the things I want to do with this book club is not just be a book club for the sake of getting together and everyone reads a book and enjoys it, but it's actually about action, inspiring people to take action. And your book is all about resistance. And so I really appreciate that contribution um, to inspiring people to actually stand up and do something about the injustice. Oh,
1: thanks a lot. Yeah, That that was one of the main reasons I wrote the book. So yeah, I hope it uh, contributes to that.
0: Yeah, and you know, I just also want to thank you, you did this video, a really short video about Gustafson Lake and what happened there, and I show it to my students in all my classes every year because you you help illustrate what's happening all of the truths that get lost in the media and that's another thing that I'm going to be showing in my review of your book you know some of the other work that you've done so thank you for that thank you for your advocacy your resistance on the ground thank you for your book and the other books that you have and I hope that I can encourage you to come back and uh, talk to us again on my YouTube channel
1: oh yeah I'd love to thanks for having me and now uh, thanks for the work that you do as well
0: Thank you so much. It was an honor talking to you.
1: Hey, Gila
0: I consider this to be a very strong book. I appreciate how it's written in a very concise, targeted and focused way. Sometimes having those larger history books, while good in an academic setting, can actually turn the general public off from reading about history because it just seems too overwhelming or too much to read. That's why I like smaller books like this. It's focused, it's concise, it's easy to read, and it's generally accessible to a larger number of people. Each chapter is only a few pages long, but it gives us just enough information to know exactly what he was talking about in that specific time period or in that particular context. He covers topics like the creation of the United States, the colonization of Canada, genocide and what happened during genocide, and also indigenous resistance throughout this entire time period even though the chapters are brief, he does include some references for the facts and the dates that he's sharing in each of those chapters. I really like how he uses the indigenous experience of resistance to colonization to actually challenge the myths and the narratives from Eurocentric history that considers colonization a form of benign settlement that might have had a few bumps along the way, but ultimately everybody benefited. In Gord's words, there was no discovery. It was an American Indian Holocaust. While many in society have resisted using the word genocide to describe the Indigenous experience in Canada and the United States and all over the Americas, Gord has been asserting for many years that that's in fact what it was. His description of the Indigenous experience has since been confirmed by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report on the experience in residential schools as genocide and also the national inquiry into murder to missing indigenous women and girls who characterize everything that's happened in the past and ongoing as genocide. Just like Gord said in his interview I really appreciate books that aren't just for the sake of knowledge but it's education for action. I think Gord's most important contribution in this book is how he was able to portray indigenous peoples as playing an important and active role in resisting Canada's genocidal policies. Indigenous peoples are warriors in mind, body and spirit, and they have shown great strength and resilience and resistance in maintaining and protecting our territories and our sovereignty and nationhood. His message Really inspires me and I think for that reason this book could help inspire another generation of young indigenous warriors. At the same time I think this book is equally important for Canadians. They need to see us not as passive or weak victims of genocide but actually strong warriors who have resisted against genocide and survived against genocide both historic and ongoing. Now when I do book reviews I always have to include some kind of critique. And like Whose Land Is It Anyway, my critique is kind of also the strength. The book is only 70 pages. I personally could have read a thousand more pages um, about all the different experiences that indigenous peoples have had in history and ongoing in terms of their resistance. However, it's also its strength because if it was a thousand page book, very few people would be able to read it. Overall, this book Praise from me and I hope that Gord considers writing a part two of this book, which describes in details some of the more recent acts of resistance and flashpoints and tensions between indigenous nations and the Canadian state but i just wouldn't feel right leaving the book review here sometimes i think there are very unique and special books that require that you know more about the author so that you can understand where he's coming from and this book is just one of those i have permission from submedia to show a short five-minute video featuring Gord Hill who's describing what happened at the incident at Gustafson Lake in BC.
1: Gustafson Lake standoff was a month-long siege in the southern interior of uh, British Columbia. In the summer of 1995. Um, I think it was one of the most significant acts of armed resistance outside of Oka, 1990. To start with uh, Gustafson Lake, it's in the Caribou region of the south central interior of British Columbia. It's known as Chupatin by the Chupatmik. It's, it's in Chupatmik territory. In uh, 1989, some Chikwetmek established a Sundance camp at uh, Gustafson Lake, Chipatan, and they were holding an annual Sundance over the years. The land was claimed by an American rancher named Lyle James, and over the years their uh, relationship kind of deteriorated and in 1995 he wanted the Sundance camp evicted, moved off of that that land so that his cattle could graze there. In uh, June of 1995 there began to be some incidents with Lyle James and some of his cowboys coming into the Sundance camp to threaten and intimidate um, an elder and his family who were living uh, at the camp. The New Democratic Party were the party in power in British Columbia at the time and they had just suffered a number of uh, corruption scandals. It was basically like uh, an opportunity for them to show a strong law and order stance and to uh, you know, kind of crush this renegade native uh, camp that had, you know, sprung up. So they authorized a massive operation by the RCMP. It was the largest uh, paramilitary operation carried out by the RCMP. And they eventually deployed about 450 heavily armed uh, officers, mostly from emergency response teams. And they also got uh, assistance from the Canadian Armed Forces Uh, primarily in the form of eight or nine bison armored personnel carriers with the driver and the commander. So one of the worst attacks uh, carried out by the RCMP occurred on September 11th. Previous to this they had negotiated with the defenders in the camp a no-shooting zone which included a dirt road that allowed the defenders access to uh, get drinking water, to bathe and whatnot. So on the morning of September 11th the RCMP snuck into this area of the road that they had determined was a good point for an ambush. And they laid uh, explosive charges into the dirt road. They hid uh, one of the bison armored personnel carriers in the little ways down the road in the forest. And as the red pickup left the camp and was driving down this dirt road, and it went over the uh, explosives that they laid, and they detonated the explosives. There was a massive explosion. It blew the car battery out of the engine compartment and it was found about 150 feet away. There was a massive plume of smoke. Amazingly, the two people in the truck were uh, uninjured and they jumped out of the truck after the explosion and began running. There was a dog with them in the truck as well who also started running. After the explosion and the people had left the vehicle, uh, the Bison APC came out, smashed into the vehicle, Uh, the police came out and started shooting at the people fleeing the truck. The police shot the dog as it was fleeing as well. And that began an hours long firefight between some of the defenders and the police who are now in these uh, bison armored personnel carriers. Wolverine was uh, it was an elder in the camp. He uh, engaged in a shootout with this APC and it eventually became disabled. So they had to bring in a number of other APCs to rescue all the police who are in these armored vehicles and to extract them and to take out the disabled uh, armored personnel carrier. So that was the biggest shooting incident. There was about 77,000 rounds were fired by the RCMP and one woman was uh, injured, she was shot in the arm. The siege uh, eventually ended on September 17th. That's when the, the remaining defenders in the camp burned their weapons and proceeded to walk out. They were obviously arrested by the RCMP. There was a year-long trial that lasted from 1996 to 1997. It was during this trial that a lot of the uh, RCMP uh, strategy was really revealed. That the RCMP had made uh, a videotape of all their meetings and a lot of the activity they carried out for training purposes because they had envisioned that this would be a very useful uh, learning experience in how to deal with uh, native standoffs of this nature. And one of the things that came out in the videotape that the RCMP produced themselves was statements from uh, their main uh, media liaison officer, Sergeant Montague, who stated... Did you find somebody today that can help us with a disinformation or smear campaign? Smear campaigns are are special. Uh, released the criminal records of uh, individuals they claimed were in the camp as well as juveniles, which is illegal. But a lot of these individuals weren't in the camp. Um, It was just a method by the RCMP to criminalize and to further isolate the individuals in the camp. They cut off all media uh, contact with the defenders so that only the RCMP version of events was reported. Uh, The corporate media faithfully uh, reported the RCMP version of events as if it was truth, but as it was revealed the methods and the the disinformation campaign carried out by the police, a lot more indigenous people began to support the Chapatan defenders. Today Wolverine is basically considered a hero uh, for his actions, you know, being an elder, engaging in armed resistance against this uh, you know, paramilitary assault by heavily armed police. <laughs>
0: and hear the passion in this video for Gord trying to hold the colonizers accountable while also instilling pride in indigenous peoples for resisting the ongoing colonization. And I believe his knowledge and passion comes through loud and clear in his book as well. So let's move on to some of the questions and comments. And first of all, let me say again, Thank you for participating in this reconciliation book club for leaving all of your comments, for making book suggestions, for asking questions. That's what makes this book club work without you. It would just be me talking to a camera and we need it to be much more engaging and interactive than that. So for this session, I actually got some questions and comments on the format of this book club. Christina asks, for example, why I don't do a detailed summary of each of the chapters and list all of the facts um, as part of my book club. I really appreciate that question, Christina. And I want you to know that I actually thought about that. And I chose very purposefully not to do that because to my mind, I think that does a disservice to the actual authors of the book. And here's why. I have long said that Everyone in Canada has an obligation to self-educate as a core aspect of reconciliation, and that means actually reading the books, reading the reports, reading the commissions, reading the court cases because you get so much more from all of the details that are contained in a book than you would by someone providing a detailed summary. And what I don't want to happen is for my videos to be a Cole's notes of what's in these books and people not actually read the books because there's such a wealth of information, far more than what I could describe even in summary form in this video. And I also really want to leave more room for people to host their own book clubs in their homes and community centers, at universities, in their communities, so that they can really get into the details and the nuts and bolts of each of these books. And um, if I provide all of the information in these videos, that kind of does the job for everyone. And I know that people are already hosting all of their own book clubs all over Canada. So I think that's more interactive that's more active based and i I think that's the direction that i really want this book club to go tom asks if i can expand this book club to include things like reference materials and publishing guides and thank you for your question tom but this book club really focuses on reconciliation and how we can put self-education into action to bring about social justice for indigenous peoples and i think i want to really keep it focused in that area so let's turn to some reactions to the book we'll pick out a couple cubert writes this is a must read for anyone who would like to break free from the lies they were told since childhood in the public school system and start learning the truth this is a good place to start This one doesn't sugarcoat, and it's going to slap you upside the head and knock out the vile, filthy lies you grew up with. Not a book for children. This one's for those brave enough to seek the truth. This small book packs a huge punch, and it's very, very condensed, with a very brief overview of the main genocidal ideology of the colonization of both North and South America. Thank you, Kubert, for your feedback. We really appreciate it. Now, Lindsay has a similar reaction to the book. She writes, I really like this book. One of the first things that struck me was that when I was in elementary and high school, I remember hating history class. I used to bring my own fictional reading to class and hide it behind the class textbook. But this book and others like it, I really enjoy. I think that if the history they taught in schools was this history, I would have listened. It's more raw and real and genuine, I find. If the nations of the world valued truth, history would always be written from the perspective of the ones who suffered the most harm. Because their account of what happened is the only account worth learning from. Thanks for all of your questions and impressions, suggestions for books, and your feedback. It's really important. I think it's valuable for the authors who write these books. It's valuable for others that are participating in this book club. And I think you engaging in this book club helps encourage other people to do the same thing. Thanks for checking out Gord's book. You can also check out his other books mentioned in the review as well. I also have some super exciting news. Gord Hill's 500 Years of Resistance comic book will be coming out with a new expanded edition this fall. And he has tons of new artwork and... I had the honor of writing the foreword for this new edition. So stay tuned and I will do my best to get Gord back on the Warrior Life podcast to talk about his new book once it comes out. Thanks again for tuning into the Warrior Life podcast this summer and giving the Reconciliation Book Club a listen. As I mentioned, you can watch these on my YouTube channel as well. The goal of this Warrior Life podcast is to lift the voices of Indigenous warriors all over Turtle Island who are doing great things for our peoples and our nations and helping to educate and inspire our allies to stand with us for social justice and earth justice. Thanks so much for your continued support and sharing this podcast. Far and wide. Oh, and don't forget, we have new designs in the Warrior Life clothing shop. We have our original Warrior Life design, the Warrior Life podcast, Warrior Kids podcast, Bad Indian is one of the newest ones for our awesome native peeps out there, Resist, Resurge, and Reclaim, and now our own Land Back version. For a limited time, you can get 10% off Warrior Life clothing by using the code Warrior10. That's The word warrior with the number 10, warrior 10. Also, I'll be accepting applications for sponsors for my podcast episodes from authentic Indigenous artists, businesses, and organizations, as well as from allies who want to support native media. So if you're interested, just contact me by any of my social media sites or on my website, pampalmeter.com. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great rest of the summer. Until next time, keep living a warrior life. Walalia.